Uh, tonight we're going to be jumping all around uh, kind of the book of Acts, and so if you want to open your Bible somewhere in Acts, you can. Uh, we'll kind of be we'll kind of be all over. If you if you look on the back of that midweek, there's an outline there for those of you who might like that. You'll see lots of different uh, sections of Acts that's listed out there. So uh, we'll be kind of jumping around a little bit. We're going to look at a character that we've encountered in our Bible reading from last week and this week, and even a little bit um, into next week, we'll, we'll continue to read some things about a guy named Barnabas. And so I wanted us to spend a little bit of time uh, just kind of chatting uh, about who he was and, uh, and really the example that he has uh, for us and, uh, and, and someone that I think is, would, would certainly be um, important for us to, to strive to, to emulate. And, uh, and that's why uh, the, the discussion tonight is titled, Be a Barnabas. Uh, when I was preparing this, I was writing all kinds of things I was learning about Barnabas, and as I was thinking about his life, I, I kept thinking about how important I know it is for me to have an example of something. Um, I, I don't know if you're like this, but I am mostly a visual learner. Um, I can learn a lot of different ways. I, I like to read. Um, I, you know, I, I certainly like to, to process and think about things. I like to have discussions. Like I, I, I certainly learn in various forms, but I learn best if you can show me something. I, I am typically um, a, a visual style learner. Now, one of the funniest ways you can see this in, in just my, my week-to-week life is if you were to pop in on one of our staff meetings and you were to hear us talk about any, any topic that deals with a structure, like we were talking the other day at staff meeting about something to do with a lobby. Well, it's hilarious to listen to all of us talk about it because we're all describing like certain walls. And if we were to do this over here, you know, that wall that's closest to this. And, you know, I'm thinking if we were to hang these here and if we were to. And listen, it just becomes this confusing argument because nobody knows what anybody's talking about. And then eventually somebody will go up to the whiteboard and go, OK, let me draw you a picture of what I'm talking about. And listen, after arguing for 30 minutes and about three minutes, we go, oh. Yeah, yeah, I see. Yeah, I like that. I see what you're talking about, right? Like we, I, I especially am a visual learner. Now, I've seen this play out in another interesting way just in my own personal life lately. Have you ever tried to coach a seven-year-old girl's soccer team? Anybody in here been in those seasons of life? Yeah, you, you coached, whether it was a, a I, don't, I don't mean girls team, I just have a seven-year-old uh, girl who's on a soccer team. It could be any uh, young kid on a soccer team, but I don't know if you've ever tried to, uh, to coach a team like that or you remember those days. Now, here's the truth. I, I coached Josiah and Janelyn multiple times when we were in pedal. I have decided not to do that yet here in Saltillo, and the main reason is because I'm crazy. And so I guess I shouldn't tell you that. You'll find out soon enough. I don't need any more help showing you how crazy I am. I do that on my own. But coaching kids really shows you how crazy I am. All right. So I was just thinking, man, I can see the headlines tomorrow. Pastor in Saltillo tackles parent, goes crazy, throws kid in the net. Right. So like I'm just a parent sitting on the sidelines right now. Like I don't want to be involved in all that. Now, even on the sideline, I get a little crazy, but. Usually Kayla's there to kind of bump me or something like that. So I, or I try to just play, like whichever one I'm playing the game, I try to play with the other one and just like I'm not, I, I'm not even going to pay attention. But I've been watching a little bit as my daughter's preparing, and she's got a coach. He's, he's a great coach. He, he does a good job. But he's a little bit like me, and I'll explain this to you. It's funny to watch him teach the girls how to play because in his mind, he just tells them what he wants them to do, and he expects it to happen. 
So he'll have a few cones set out, and he'll go, all right, I want y'all to dribble around these cones in and out, go around that last one, and then sprint back with the ball. All right, go, first girl. You know, no idea what he's talking about. And he's yelling at him, right? Okay, next girl, you know, yelling at him. Then he does another drill. He's like, all right, you're going to start from this cone. You're going to kick past it one time. You're going to run to it and kick it in the goal. That's it. I just want you to do that. Well, girl comes up, kicks it in the goal. No, 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 no. That's not what I Okay, let's, let's do it again. Next girl kicks it back here behind. No, 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 no. Next girl, right? And then she finally gets it to her, but the other girl dribbles it around and doesn't even shoot at the goal. And listen, it's chaos until... Until he finally goes, let me show you what I want you to do. And then he dribbles in and out of the cones, circles around, and comes back. Now, it looks a little goofy because we're like, why is this 40-year-old man you know, dribbling this pink ball around? You know, whatever, right? I'm with you. But after he does it, guess what the girls do? They dribble around the cones. They do the little circle. And then they, all they needed was an example of what they needed to do. Now, here's what you're probably guessing by this point. Barnabas, in my opinion, is an incredible example of what we need to do when it comes to following Jesus. And so better than me just telling you what that might look like, in the book of Acts, we get to watch a guy's example and visually see this, are, this is what it looks like. These are some characteristics. Here is a good example of what it looks like to follow Jesus. Now, just a little background. We've been reading in the book of Acts. If you've been in our Bible reading plan, last couple of weeks, you know, we've started in Acts and we've seen um, a lot of stuff happen. We've read about Jesus telling his followers that they will be his witnesses. We've read about Peter preaching at Pentecost and thousands of people getting saved. We've read about the first gatherings of the early church and all the people who were following Jesus. We've read about many of the ups and downs of persecution and the deaths of Ananias and Sapphira because they lied to the Holy Spirit. We read about the first deacons dealing with church issues. We read about the death of Stephen, the first martyr. We read about the, the persecution led by Saul. We read about Philip and the Ethiopian getting saved. We read about the persecution, uh, the persecutor by the name of Saul giving his life to Jesus so that, you know, more ups and downs. We've read about Peter going to Cornelius' house and the first Gentiles giving their lives to Jesus. We've even encountered the first missionary journey of the Apostle Paul. If you're not sure where that is, we read that today. That's where we are in our Bible reading plan. So I know, like, lots of content that we've covered. But in all of the things that we've read in Acts, we discover many different examples of what it looks like to follow Jesus, but maybe none will be better than looking at this guy that we meet in Acts chapter 4, enter Barnabas. Now here's what I want you to see. I'm going to read this, this from Acts chapter 4, verse 36. This is where we first encounter Barnabas in, in the New Testament. It says, Thus Joseph, I don't know if you know this, but Barnabas' name was Joseph, who was also called by the apostles Barnabas, which means son of encouragement. So Barnabas is just a nickname. We know him as Barnabas. It obviously carries a lot of weight because they continue to call him Barnabas. But this is just a description of the type of life that this guy lives. So Joseph, 
also called Barnabas, a Levite, a native of Cyprus. Now, I want to share some facts with you. So if you're looking at your outline, I just love some areas because you might find these to be a little interesting. But I want to give you some facts about Barnabas that you may not know just on the surface level of reading Acts chapter 4, verse 36. His name, obviously, is Joseph. Now, sometimes it's spelled Joseph's. Either way, when you see those names, they're talking about this guy named Barnabas. His nickname means son of encouragement, which he probably got from his leadership as a minister. You may think Barnabas is just some typical dude that we find out about in Acts chapter 4, but actually we discover as we continue to read in, in the, the letter of Acts, he is more than just the typical average everyday church member. He is a part of the greatest team we've ever seen in the history of churches. He is one of the ministers of the gospel. Also, it might be better translated, not son of encouragement, but son of exhortation due to the fact that Barnabas was mostly known for the way in which he preached. I've heard a lot of people talk about Barnabas over my years that just was like, you know, Paul was really the preacher in that scenario. Barnabas was just kind of the, he, he kind of took a back seat and kind of did some of the groundwork. That's really not true. As a matter of fact, before Paul ever preached, especially with Barnabas and in their context of missionary journeys, it wasn't until he learned from Barnabas, by the way, how to preach the gospel. And so it's a pretty interesting uh, um, picture of someone taking someone under their wing and then leading them to take on the ministry after them. You may not think that about Barnabas because we hear so much about the Apostle Paul, but this is, in fact, what Barnabas does. So maybe not so much as encouragement as it should be son of exhortation because of his gift of prophecy and because of his gift of preaching the good news. Now, we also discover that Barnabas is a Levite. In other words, he came from a priestly family, but he's one of the most interesting priestly families because he doesn't live or he's not from Jerusalem. Now, the reason why this is interesting is because most of the priests lived in Jerusalem. There were a few who didn't, and because of that, their careers were a little different than the average priest. As a matter of fact, the most other famous person who came from a priestly family who was not in Jerusalem was a guy named John the Baptist. These two guys had much more similarities in their type of career than anybody else. So Barnabas was similar to the proclaimer that John the Baptist was. So this is kind of a, a similar picture of how Barnabas was a Levite, a priest, but did not come from a priestly family that served in the temple or synagogue in Jerusalem. He's also called a native of Cyprus. And this is probably not typically anything that we pay attention to when we read about Barnabas. But what's interesting about this is that this would mean he's a Hellenistic Jew, not a Hebrew one. Now you say, Danes, you just cuss at me. No, I didn't. What I am trying to give you a picture of is that this links Barnabas less with Peter and the Jewish disciples and more with Paul and a Roman citizen who happened to also be a Jew who chose to follow Jesus. So what's interesting is that as we've been reading in the book of Acts, we have already encountered a great number of both Hellenist Jews and Hebrew Jews. The most famous encounter of this is in Acts chapter 6, where we typically get our first scene of where deacons step onto the scene, right? Because the Hellenist widows are being overtaken by the Hebrew widows, and nobody's caring for them like they should be. Insert deacon ministry, and now all the people are being cared for, right? And so the difference is... 
the Hellenistic Jew is of Greek background, whereas the Hebrew Jew is of a Hebrew or Jewish background, right? They both are Jewish by their religion, but one's a Roman citizen and one is not. And so it's just an interesting dynamic that Barnabas, like Paul, knew both sides of the street. He knew the Jew, he knew the Gentile. He knew what it was like to be from both sides, and this makes him a really interesting character to link up with Paul later in the book of Acts. Now, many believe that Barnabas, if not one to the cause of Christ, as an early convert of the apostles' preaching, in other words, some people think that he got saved maybe at the day of Pentecost. That's when he received the Spirit. However, others think that he was directly one to the cause of Christ by Jesus himself. Church historians, both Eusebius and one of our church fathers, theologian named Clement of Alexandria, they link Barnabas in Luke chapter 10 with the 70 that Jesus sent out two by two. They say Barnabas was a part of that group of disciples. Now this would be interesting because guess what? This would put Barnabas on the same type of scale as the other apostles who witnessed Jesus' ministry firsthand. And this is important because later in the book of Acts, guess what they call Barnabas? They call him an apostle. Others think that in Acts chapter 1, verse 23, when it says that they were looking for a new disciple to replace Judas, there's a guy there named Joseph and another guy named Justice who's called Matthias. Many people think Barnabas had another name and it's, his name was Matthias. People think this was who they were referring to and that Barnabas was the replacement for Judas. Now, it doesn't really matter what you think about that. I just think it's interesting because later in Acts chapter 14, Barnabas is called an apostle on two different occasions. Now, Danny, why is that important? Because I think Barnabas is the lost apostle. No one puts him in the same category as these other guys. As a matter of fact, we think about Paul over and over and over, and we think Barnabas was just a stepping stone that could get Paul to where he was. How dare we? Barnabas had a huge impact on churches being planted across the world. In fact, guess who wanted to start the missionary journeys in the first place? It was not Paul. It was Barnabas. I'm going to show you that in just a moment. Now, there's a lot of different letters that are also linked with Barnabas. Some people think he's the author of Hebrews. Most people attribute that uh, traditionally church history to the Apostle Paul. But I don't know if you know this, Hebrews doesn't have an author that we know of. There's a lot of speculation. Many people think it was actually Barnabas. There's two other letters, the Acts of Barnabas and the Epistle of Barnabas. Both of them are in the apocryphal writings. We do not believe those are scripture, but other churches do. And so you can find Bibles that have those writings in them. There's also a letter called the Gospel of Barnabas. It really doesn't have anything to do with Barnabas at all. It's actually from a native Italian who renounced Christianity for Islam. Now, say, Danny, why do you give us all those things? Because Barnabas had a huge impact on church history, and because of Barnabas, many of us are sitting in this room so that we could be changed by Jesus as well. He was a part of the greatest movement that's ever happened. He was a part of the birth of the church. He was a part of seeing the name of Jesus spread to the nations. Now you say, Danny, why is this important? Because if we're going to emulate somebody that we have seen live a life for Jesus, guess what? Barnabas did. And so I don't know about you, but if I'm going to try to be like somebody, I think Barnabas is a good place for us to start. So I wrote this as our little main point for tonight. 
mainly because I thought it rhymed. I know it's a little hard to see. I apologize. Jesus wants us to be a Barnabas. <laughs> see what I did there? That's right. I can be. I can be catchy and clever, right? There we go, right? Jesus wants us to be a Barnabas. So, if you remember from the readings this week, last week, uh, by the time we get to Acts chapter 4, the early church has exploded. Thousands of people are coming to faith in Jesus. Could you imagine what it would have been like to be here if that many people came to know Jesus? Could you imagine here in South Tillo, First Baptist, if we went from 300 attending worship services to 3,000 in one day, right? Like we may think we have space problems now. Like we may need to be thinking about another service. You go from 300 to 3,000, you got to really start figuring out what you're going to do with the rest of your life, all right? That's some serious problems that are all happening on the same day. There aren't just space issues that are happening. How are people going to grow in their faith? How are they going to provide for this many people? They need to do life together to help show people how to live like Jesus. When Jesus was with them, you know what Jesus would do? He would simply multiply fish and loaves and they would be okay. But guess what? Jesus ain't there no more. So what are they going to do now as the church is expanding? Enter Barnabas. Matter of fact, Acts 4, right after verse 36 is verse 37. And this is what we discover about Barnabas. He sold a field that belonged to him and brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. Here's the very first thing. I'm going to go through these quickly because we should be doing something else already. And I'm just getting started. So, first thing, instantly when we encounter Barnabas, is that to be a Barnabas means to be generous. He clearly had some resources. However, he doesn't keep them to himself. He offers them to God so that the kingdom could advance and more could be reached. In other words, to be a Barnabas means to be generous. Now, if we're just thinking about this in our own context. We could come up with plenty of examples of people who are in need. As a matter of fact, in just a moment, you're going to hear about people who are in need. Barnabas was the type of guy who was willing to give out of what he had. He was willing to be generous so that other people could experience Christ. Now, I don't know about you, but generosity may be one of the most single, most simple, most clear pictures of Jesus. You want to know why? Because generosity is what we see when Jesus climbs on a cross and dies for the sins of the world. As a matter of fact, the most famous verse in the Bible is John 3.16, which is highlighted by, He gave His only Son. The greatest moment in Scripture deals with generosity. If we're going to look like Jesus, it begins with us being generous. If He's willing to lay it all down for us, why would we not be willing to lay it all down for others? Barnabas blessed others through his generosity. Are we blessing others through ours? Now the next time we encounter Barnabas, it's in Acts chapter 9. The infamous Saul of Tarsus who was killing Christians has given his life to Jesus. Matter of fact, this is one of the most incredible testimonies of all times. This is the type of testimony that people share in church and you go, man. That's great, right? You thought there was no way this guy could be changed by Jesus, but then he is. Now what's interesting is, don't worry about the testimony of Saul or the testimony of Paul, but think about this. At first, and probably rightly so, the disciples were afraid to trust Paul. As a matter of fact, right after he gets saved, 
God tells a guy by the name of Ananias to go get Paul in Acts chapter 9, verses 10 through 13, and help him on his journey. And Ananias makes a response back to God that's pretty much like this. Now, this is Danny paraphrase. You can read it on your own, all right? Uh-uh. I'm not going to find that. Hey, God, I don't know if you know this. He just killed a bunch of dudes like me. You want me to go find him and help him? I don't know about that. But he does. And even after that, later in Acts chapter 9, verse 26, the disciples themselves in Jerusalem wanted nothing to do with Paul. He tried to join them. And here's what it says. They were all afraid of him, for they did not believe that he was a disciple. How in the world was the greatest preacher slash missionary in the history of the New Testament church even going to begin a ministry when the disciples themselves would not accept him? Enter Barnabas. This is Acts chapter 9, verse 27. I love this moment. But Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles and declared to them how on the road he had seen the Lord who spoke to him and how at Damascus he had preached boldly in the name of Jesus. You know what I learned about Barnabas? To be a Barnabas means to help others connect. Like Barnabas, in all of his generosity, wanted to see a movement of the Lord. I really do think one of the greatest movements that started with the Apostle Paul really started with the Apostle Barnabas, who helps Paul get connected in the first place. I can't help but get stuck on what Barnabas does for Paul. Scripture says he took him and he brought him. By the way, nobody wanted to vouch for Paul. Nobody wanted to talk to Paul. Nobody wanted to go find Paul. Nobody wanted to risk their life to help a guy who three days before that was literally killing Christians, right? Nobody wanted to do it. But guess what happened? One guy did. He took him and he brought him. He made a bridge so that this guy could connect in a way that he could have never connected before. And all I could think about was this. Is this not what Jesus did for us? You say, Danny, what do you mean? Well, I don't know if you've ever seen that old picture of, of like God on one side and us on one side and there's this huge thing, whatever, and then the cross is laid down as a bridge for us to walk across to God. We could not get to him without Jesus. Barnabas becomes a bridge for Paul that connects him with a world of discipleship that he would have never had, possibly, never had the chance to be a part of had somebody not stepped in, bridged the gap, took him and brought him so that he could grow in his relationship with Jesus. As a matter of fact, here's what it says in verse 31 of Acts chapter 9, just a few verses later. It says, So the church throughout all Judea and Galilee and Samaria had peace and was being built up and walking in the fear of the Lord in the comfort of the Holy Spirit. It multiplied. Now listen, I am a firm believer that I do not believe this type of multiplication would have happened had Barnabas not bridged the gap for the greatest guy in church history to hit the scene. He needed Barnabas. Can I tell you something, friends? There are a lot of people in our circles. There are a lot of people in our world. There are a lot of neighbors that we have in our communities that I'm telling you, man, who knows what God might do in their lives if you would be the bridge that connects them to what God wants to do in their lives. Who are you standing in the gap for? Because to be a Barnabas means to help others connect. Now, let's keep going. Wow, Danny, hurry up. I know. We find Barnabas again. In Acts chapter 11, now by this point, the church is expanding beyond Jerusalem. 
Stephen has become the first martyr in Acts chapter 9, persecution. I mean, in Acts chapter 7, persecution breaks out against the church, ironically led by this Paul who Barnabas is bridging the gap for. It begins to scatter believers all across the world, which is exactly what Jesus wanted anyway. When we get to Acts chapter 10, we find Peter leading the first Gentile to faith in Jesus that we know of, right? The first movement of Gentiles entering into the church. Now the apostles began hearing about the growth of the church in Phoenicia and Cyprus and Antioch. And when the apostles heard about this growth, they needed someone to check it out. Guess what? They didn't send Peter. They didn't send John. They didn't send James. They didn't send Paul. Guess who they sent? Enter Barnabas. Acts chapter 11, 22 through 24. Listen to this. The report of this came to the ears of the church in Jerusalem, and they sent Barnabas to Antioch. When he came and saw the grace of God, he was glad, and he exhorted them all to remain faithful to the Lord with steadfast purpose. For he was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and of faith, and a great many people were added to the Lord. I learned something else. Listen, to be a Barnabas means to encourage spiritual growth in others. Barnabas was nicknamed the son of encouragement for more than simply sharing nice words with other people. He was an encourager of the growth of God in others. He never hesitated to encourage what Jesus was doing in the lives of believers and those who had yet to choose to follow Jesus. He was building the kingdom of God by seeing more and more people follow after Jesus. This is why it says he exhorted them all to remain faithful to the Lord. He was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and of faith. Great many people were added to the Lord. This brings a whole new meaning to being a encourager. How are we building up people to be more like Jesus? Now listen, as the number of believers began to grow in Antioch, more leaders were needed. Enter Barnabas. Here's what I learned. To be a Barnabas means to help Others also lead. Here's what happens in Acts 11, 25-26. So Barnabas went to Tarsus to look for, guess who? Saul. Danny, you mean Paul didn't just come running up and start, no, no, no. We don't even know where Paul's at at this time. I have no idea what's happening in his life. You know how Paul got on the scene to begin some of the greatest missionary journeys we've ever read about? Was it because Paul wanted to do it on his own? No, no, no. It's because this crazy dude named Barnabas goes and finds him. And he says, Paul. Actually, I don't know what this is like. This is just me again. All right. Paul, I got some crazy stuff I think God wants to do. Hey, you in? Let's do it, man, right? Matter of fact, I just imagine him going, look, if anybody knows crazy, Paul, you know crazy, right? Like, let's do this thing together. So Barnabas went to Tarsus to look for Saul, and when he had found him, he brought him to Antioch. He goes, man, you got to see what God's doing over here. Come over to Antioch with me. Help me pastor this church. Let's see what God will do as we continue to lead. And look at this. For a whole year, they met with the church and taught a great many people. And in Antioch, the disciples were first called Christians. I thought to myself, how are we helping to develop the next leaders in our church and in the world? Hey, friends, I don't know if you know this, but if you look around the room, we're not going to be here forever. Who's next? Hey, can, as you look around the room, listen, God has us in certain places. And listen, 
That may be as far as He wants us to go. But there may be some other people in our lives that we can influence that He wants to take in a completely different direction. Are we training them? Are we leading them? Are we helping to develop who's next? You say, well, Danny, if they'll just come to me and ask me, I'll help. Barnabas wasn't sitting around going, man, sure hope somebody comes and knocks on my door today and wants to know more about Jesus. No, no, no. He leaves Antioch in one of the most chaotic church growth times ever because he knows it's not going to continue to advance if there are not more leaders. And guess what he does? He finds Paul, and the rest is history. Listen, when the church wanted to send relief to the struggling brothers in Judea, they needed someone to send to the church. Guess what? Enter Barnabas. Acts chapter 11, verse 30. And they did so, sending it to the elders by the hand of Barnabas and Saul. To be a Barnabas means to serve faithfully. I want you to notice something that's interesting about a lot of these texts, especially Acts chapter 11, verse 30. It doesn't say, and they did so, sending it to the elders by the hand of Saul and Barnabas. Not that that would be wrong to say, but there's a reason why they put Barnabas before Saul. You want to know why? He's the leader. So his name comes first. I really, really, really believe this. I think the work ethic, the servant heart, the obedience to proclaim the gospel, the willingness and faithfulness to serve that we see continued from this moment throughout the New Testament in the life of the Apostle Paul. Listen to me, friends. I think it begins in a relationship and a leader and a mentor that he had by the name of Barnabas who was always, always willing to serve faithfully. I love how Barnabas is found in so many different situations of the church. If the church needed money, Barnabas was there to get it. If the church needed encouragement in their faith, Barnabas was there to get it. If the church needed more leaders, Barnabas was there to get it. If the church needed someone to carry relief money to the broken, Barnabas was there to get it. You know what I'm thinking? If the church needed the floor scrub or the toilets clean, guess what? They didn't have to look any further than Barnabas. You know, we want to know why? It didn't matter what he was doing. He was going to serve faithfully. Friends, I really hope I can be a Barnabas. Listen, when the early church was looking to send leaders to reach the world, the Holy Spirit wanted somebody in particular. Guess what? Enter Barnabas. I love this. This is Acts 13. This is where we find you next. Verses 2 and 3. It says, While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. By the way, it doesn't say Saul and Barnabas. There's a reason for this. Barnabas is the leader. He's the key to the work. Then after fasting and praying, they laid their hands on them and they sent them off. Now listen, we don't have time for it, but man, they go to, they go to Cyprus and they, they begin to proclaim Jesus. They go to Antioch, Pisidia, and they begin to proclaim Jesus. They go to Iconium and, 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 and they go to Lystra and, and they go to, to, to Derby and, and, and they go back to Antioch and they... Man, even on their way back, they go to Perga and they begin to preach the gospel there. And then finally they, they get back home and they share with the church that sent them out all that God had done in their travels. You know what I learned about Barnabas? To be a Barnabas means to be willing to go wherever God leads. When the, when the early church was in one of the greatest crossroads of its early existence, they needed strong leaders to stand for what was right. Guess what? In Acts chapter 15, here's what you discover. To be a Barnabas means to stand for what's 
right. Even when they wanted to go a different direction. Even when they wanted to push regulations and rules that shouldn't be pushed. In Acts chapter 15, verse 12, here's what you discover. And all the assembly fell silent, and they listened to Barnabas and Paul as they related what signs and wonders God had done through them among the Gentiles. Thankfully, by the way, thankfully Barnabas and Paul were in the room. Because guess what? Our church would look a whole lot different right now if we all had to become Jews. I learned something else. To be a Barnabas means to continue to share the Gospel no matter what happens. After all this battle, Paul and Barnabas began continue to preach the gospel. Acts 15.35 Upon Barnabas remained in Antioch teaching and preaching the word of the Lord with many others also. And even when Paul and Barnabas decided to part ways, Barnabas still continued to share the gospel. Acts 15.39 And there arose a sharp disagreement so that they separated from each other. Barnabas took Mark with him and sailed away to Cyprus. Even in this major disagreement, even though it didn't go the way he wanted, Barnabas continued to share the gospel no matter what. Listen, as I was thinking through this, all I could think about was how often we need an example to do what we should be doing. Matter of fact, one of the first things that came to my mind was when we were in Belize this past year. Uh, you know, I'm a former youth pastor, as most of you know, and so typically if we're going to play games, that's usually in my wheelhouse, all right? That's where I, as a matter of fact, if you want to play a game right now, I got a couple, all right? We can do it. It takes nothing, all right? I need zero prep for that to happen. So anyway, we're in there, we're in there with these boys, and we're about to play some games on this game night, and of course, they have no idea what they're, they're getting into. As a matter of fact, our team didn't have any idea what they were getting into, because they, they didn't know me any more than them boys knew me, really, all right? And so, we're in there, and I'm like, all right, guys, we're going to play a game. It's called Bronco Baby Backpack. Alright? Now here's how the game works. Here's what I did. Alright? Here's what I did. I said, here's how the game works. You're going to pick a park. Alright? You and one other person. That's it. Teams of two. Alright? And you're going to walk around the room away from your partner. You can't be next to them. And I'm going to give a certain amount of time, and then I'm going to yell out the phrase Bronco. And then what you're going to do is you're going to run to your partner, and you're going to do a Bronco. Alright? You got it in your mind? Alright. If that's over, or, or if, right? There's three different options. I could call that, you gotta do that. Or I could call baby. If I say baby, you gotta hold your partner like a baby. Alright? Probably got a few different ideas, right? I don't know how you hold babies, but there's a couple different ways, I think. Alright? Or I could call backpack. And what that means is you gotta let one person be a backpack to the other person. Okay, so use your imagination for a moment. Okay, now if I didn't give them any examples, can you imagine what kind of formations we might have seen? As a matter of fact, maybe we should have tried that. Okay, but instead, here's what I did. Bird, I need you, man. I need you. Here's what I did. All right, this might get a little uncomfortable for some of you. Alright, I don't know which one you would be. But I, I I needed them to know what to do. Okay? So here's what I said. I said, if I call out Bronco, here's what you're gonna do. Alright? If you can do this, you're good. Okay? If I call out baby, here's what you're gonna do. <laughs> Alright? If I call out backpack, here's what you're gonna do. Now, Appreciate that. <laughs> now you may have envisioned that, but you may not have. <clears throat> Gives a whole new meaning to that game when you can see that in action, right? 
Danny, why are you doing Bronco Baby Backpack? <laughs> Gives a whole new meaning to walk after Jesus when you can see a guy who's been doing it. <clears throat> you imagine what it looks like if we do that? Hey, listen, I pray for me and I pray for you that you will be a Barnabas.